Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello. Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You like that one? Hmm? You like that one? Brandon, what kind do you like more? Uh, the last one. Brandon, please, more emoji because you like doll. You see it like... Fine. Uh, it's, yeah. it's fine. No, they're, they're all nice. I like more first. Talk. Speak. What? What? Please talk. What do you want? What? What, what you do like? you like? Talk about what you I like. I said what I liked. Brandon. I just like that dress more. <laughs> Same reason I might like a coupe versus a sedan. I think Julia wants me to be like, the one you picked, that's my favorite dress, but she told me to be honest beforehand, and that's what I'm doing. It's not my favorite. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Um, 90 Day Fiance slash Sister Wives Edition. I'm happy to be back. I took like a an extended little break for my birthday. I'm feeling refreshed and renewed and like ready to talk again. <laughs> I had just gotten to the point where I was like, I don't want to talk. So that's my birthday present to myself. Um, but I'm back and I missed you guys. And let's talk about this episode of 90 Day and also Sister Wives. <sighs> Starting off first, we'll just get to Brandon and Julia. You guys, does it really feel like they're creating? And by they, I really just mean Brandon is seems to be desirous of a production credit. It seems like he wants to create drama and it feels very fake and it feels insulting to have to watch him try and navigate himself through one wacky little storyline, one episode storyline after another. Like, I don't appreciate it and it feels like a waste of time. So I will not waste your time. <laughs> we start off with Betty making lasagna. Now, listen. I'm not Italiano, so maybe this is just something that I have not seen. And I, you know, I meant to Google this. I will just say that I found it um, inventive and um, fresh 
to see Betty lay out actual slices of tomato on the lasagna. And also when they took it out of the oven and they ate it, did it look like they had run through some like crispy cream glaze machine? Like why did it look so goopy and thick on the top? Like it literally had, it looked like it had a layer of glaze. Like it looked like one of those viral videos where you think it's something else, but then it's actually a cake. Maybe there's something wrong with my eyes. Like, am I developing cataracts? I don't know. If you didn't see this, like, please, you know, if you're going to bring it up, bring it up gently because maybe there's something wrong with my vision, but it looked weird to me. Um, What happened with them? The coronavirus has now hit everybody. Everybody is now dealing with it as of this episode. And I've got to say, I'm quite surprised that it took us this long for everyone to now be hit with COVID. And it seems like most of them all happened this week. Like we knew about Terry and Hazel and Andrew and Amira, of course. But it seems like there hasn't been a lot of people that have had to deal with it thus far. Anyway, it is hit Dinwiddie, Virginia officially and they're having their glazed lasagna and they're kind of talking through okay now that COVID is a thing is there something that we should be concerned about in terms of uh, Julia's immigration status now obviously they have not gotten married at this point and you know Julia has even though they're under like a time constraint They basically are saying, like, oh, you know, we should just try and rush this. But Julie wants to take, like, a traditional Russian route. She says that when you get married in a church in Russia, it's good luck. This is, like, something that she really needs out of her wedding. And so Brandon brings up, oh, hey, Julie and I are actually going to go wedding dress shopping this weekend. Betty is like, bet... I'm coming. Thank you so much. Actually, I think it's weird that you, Brandon, are going wedding dress shopping. First time I've uh, agreed with Betty. This is one of my things, you guys. And you know what? Listen, nobody's perfect. Not even me. Okay. And that might be a shocking bit of information. I'll, you know, if you want to take a deep breath on that, I I don't blame you. Um, One of my things that, like, I know is a problematic opinion of mine is that, like, I don't like the men going wedding dress shopping with their wives. I just feel like I don't like that. (laughs) And that's my truth. I just don't like it. I, I mean, listen, there's probably most of you who are married and listening is probably had your husband's look and you know, there's no ring on my finger. So, you know, the clown came back to bite for me on that one, you know, but I just don't like it. <laughs> I just, and I don't really have an explanation for it. It just feels like it. I do have an explanation. It feels like a controlling thing. Like it feels like Alex and Simon where they can't be away from each other And they're always going to these events that are made for Alex. And here we go with Simon lurking in the background with his red leather, uh, you know, pants. It just feels like too much. You guys feel me? I try to be very inclusive. You know, 
I, I try not to let my 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 stranger sorry uh you know stranger uh opinions out here but that that's my truth and i feel that way with brandon and julia like it just gives me you guys don't have any friends you know <laughs> I, i'm saying too much i'm really saying too much i'm sorry I'm sorry if that's offensive to you. That's just my truth, and that's my opinion, okay? Um, Betty is, like, really wants to go. The thing that I'm like, okay, is this real, is Julia keeps looking over to Brandon and making these, like, you know, Lucille Ball-esque, exaggerated um, faces of Brandon. No, I could, you know, I would rather do anything else than have your mom come wedding dress shopping with me. Meanwhile... Julia is sitting about three inches away from Betty. Does she think that she cannot see these vases being made about her at her? Like at some point you would have to speak up if you saw that. I, it just, it doesn't ring true for me. I just, I no longer enjoy watching Brandon and Betty and they were weird enough on their own. You guys didn't have to make any stories up. Just roll tape, roll that beautiful bean footage and we would have been fine. And we were fine. And now you're giving us produced storylines that are not going to help you guys get another season. I know that's what your goal is, but that's not helping. And I just don't appreciate it. So what happened? I keep talking about how I'm hating things when I could really just get <laughs> get through the story, couldn't I? Um, so Julia's like, you know, I really would like my mom to go dress shopping with me, but she can't because Russia. And, you know, so I'm going to have Betty come because I don't have a choice. And she basically thinks that Betty's going to be bossy. So when they get to the dressing dress shop, um, I, Brandon tells his mom, basically, don't you open any little crack of your lip, young lady. I don't want you sharing an opinion. I don't want you um, flicking your eyes. I don't want any smizing. I don't want any sort of input from you whatsoever. Betty is like, okay. You could sense her eye twitching because she's so frustrated. But again, she and Brandon have this weird push-pull relationship where it seems like he's a real mama's boy. And then other times he's like laying down the law and he seems, she seems terrified of him. I'm going to bring up a short movie that I know is going to be highly upsetting to a lot of people, but it's giving me, um, um, welcome to, what's it called? Welcome to the Johnsons or the thing about the Johnsons. Don't look it up. It's, it's a really dark story about a family that has a very strange dynamic. I'm just saying, if you have seen it, then I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to recommend anybody watch it though. I'll just, I'm just going to put that out there. Again, so effing boring. Basically, Betty was right. And she says, I don't really think that men are, you know, fit to go because they don't have sound opinions and they end up getting bored very quickly. And this is really just more of a thing that women get excited for, typically, right? Cisgender, straight women, like, that's our curse, right? She was correct, because Brandon's play, playing um, disinterested husband number one. She's asked, she, Julia tries on three dresses. 
After the third one, she asks him what he thinks. He says that he likes the second one. And it's so fucking boring. Like, it's not even worth (laughs) talking about. Basically, he doesn't give her a straight answer. And even though he does, he tells her he likes the second one. But she likes the first one. So really, she wants to hear him say, oh, I really like the first one. But he's sticking to the fact that it's actually the second one that he likes. Wow. What a story. What a storyline, guys. Thanks. Knock that one right out the park. Let's move on to Tariq and Hazel. Boring. I mean, I like them a lot more than I do Brandon and Julia, but it's just, like, also a little bit boring, you guys. But I really like Hazel. I'm really finding that I like Hazel. So they go to look back at their dating profile that they set up to find potential girlfriends. They got a lot of messages. Um... But, you know, Tariq says it's not going over very well. He says that about half of the messages that they got were clearly from Catfish. Like, he's done all his research. He has been reverse image searching. He can tell. He can spot out a fake when he sees one from 100 pixels away, right? So, they find one. And by they, I mean Tariq does. Because we all know that Tariq has an admitted... Um, fetish for Thai women, specifically Thai women. And he pulls up a picture and Hazel has to say again, you know, that's not really my type. I'm not really into Thai women. I'm really into brown women. Again, she doesn't specify what exactly brown means to her, but it seems like Asian women are not really her thing but specifically Thai women. And I think that's more really to do with Tariq's fetish for Thai women. We all know that they had a very brief dalliance with one um, Thai lady named Minty that uh, crashed and burned pretty quickly because Hazel got jealous of the connection that Minty and Tariq had. Tariq speaks Thai. He's very into Thai everything. So Hazel was like, I gotta shut this down real quick. Y'all aren't giving me the attention that I feel like I deserve. And I'm the one that wants a girlfriend here. So you're out, Minty. So (sighs) Tariq has this like harebrained idea that they're going to talk to Minty and basically have Minty be their relationship coach. Because according to Tariq, the 72-ish hours that they spent... As a threesome, a thruple, um, it gives Minty some sort of oracle-like insight onto what it is specifically that um, both Hazel and Tariq need and desire in a partner, in a third partner. Hazel's really not trying to do this at first. She does not see the point in talking to Minty at all. She's not checking for that bitch. And... She says yes, eventually, but she tells us in a confessional that she really only did it because she's trying to keep her third eye open on Tariq. And he, she wants to see if there's any vibes between them, any sort of posy vibes, any sort of like sexual tension happening. She's on alert. She's not trying to talk to Minty. She's trying to look and see what's happening between those two. So Tariq gets Minty on a video chat and she's like giving a little bit bad girls club like 
there's something about the personality of the 90 day fiance specific other woman. It's like, they're always so combative. (laughs) They're always ready to get in some mess. Like every woman that Colty ever spoke to, they were always so ready to fight. And it's like, girl, you're playing the side chick to Colty. Priorities, ma'am. Y'all know what I mean? They're always so, like, angry. And it's like, you're giving a lot here over this man on 90 Day Fiance. Anyway, Minty's a little bit spicy. And she is like, hi, Hazel, you don't want to speak to me? Is it because I'm really that girl and you're not? You could possibly never. <laughs> and he's just like, girl, I'm not really trying to check for you. Like, I'm here doing reconnaissance. Okay. We don't need to talk. Hazel in a confessional says, you know, I actually got like pretty pissed off seeing them even begin to interact with one another because I know how beautiful and attractive that Tariq finds Minty. And it it felt really sad to see her, like, feel uh, like there was nobody in her corner. Like, if you're only willing to have a conversation because you want to see if there's chemistry and you're having to do these, like, underhand, not underhanded, but, like, background missions to try and figure something out that's sad and I wish that's something that like Tariq would pick up on because I actually really like Hazel I think she's very smart and I think she is really invested in this relationship will I say that she seems to be in love with Tariq no but she seems invested in a relationship that is mutually beneficial to both of them and I don't see a problem with that just to be clear I think she wanted clearly wants a better life and she's doing what she has to do and she's being very kind to Tariq and I think you know Tariq is a smart enough guy to pick up on that and I don't think there's anything wrong with a if you guys want to get together and it's not necessarily love, but you guys are both gaining something from it, then I say go for it. Because I think they're both, at the end of the day, like, pretty good people. That's my, that's my truth. So at any rate, Tariq asked Minty, like, for advice on what and who they should be looking for. And Minty says, you know, I think you guys should both talk to each other about what it is that you're looking for. But also, I don't really see this working out for you guys because I think you're not on the same page about what you want. So we get a confessional interview with Minty. And she kind of fills out the story of their threesome for us a little bit more. Minty says that she's never been a third never joined a couple before. And she reminds us that when she first started talking to Tariq, that he and Hazel were not together. So she was told, you know, I'm single. And then Tariq and Hazel got back together. uh, Tariq told Minty. And then she and Hazel started speaking to one another. And they found out that they clicked. So basically that's how it worked. But then very quickly, 
Hazel got jealous of Minty and, you know, she throws a little bit shade at Hazel and I didn't like that. And she says, you know, Hazel's beautiful, but I don't like her attitude. (laughs) But she also says, you know, like, I'm really attracted to Tariq and basically I'm just waiting in the shadows to get him at any point. And if he and Hazel were not together, I think that Tariq and I would really be in a relationship together. We'd be together. So then back on the video chat, (laughs) Mindy asks Hazel if she wants to be friends. And Hazel just stares at her and she's like, do you want to fight? (laughs) Mindy, calm down. You're not going to be fighting anybody over the internet, okay? Some digital get down. Um, So it gets, it just gets really weird. And Mindy tells Hazel that like Hazel needs to compromise because you know, I know that Tariq likes Thai women. So, you know, why don't you guys just try me again? Minty. Somebody cut Minty's Wi-Fi. Okay. I, I see exactly what she's trying to do. She's trying to get some screen time. She, you know, did a nice little makeup beat for her camera time. And it's just like, you just tried to fight Hazel 30 seconds ago. Why are you trying to ingratiate yourself back into this relationship? You were just antagonizing her and you basically just said, I'm only here for Tariq and if they weren't together, we would be. So which is it, girl? Mandy, I don't like you. I don't like your energy. And I, I, you know, prayers up. Prayers up for Hazel because she deserves it. All right, y'all, let's move on to Rebecca and Zied. So we see Zied trying to figure out the dishwasher. And God bless him. He says, he's like, this is so easy. In Tunisia, we only have these sorts of washers for your clothes. We don't have the washer and the chicken. (laughs) He meant kitchen. He said chicken. I love that. That's the second time that somebody, one of our foreigners has said chicken instead of kitchen. And I love it. I really do. The first one was Brittany's... What is that man's name? That awful man. Can't remember. (laughs) Anyway, we're talking about Rebecca and Zied here. So, COVID is set in in Georgia. And Rebecca's working at that chicken place now more than ever. Right? She has one day off the following day and she asks Zied like she has set up a a surprise date with him okay so they get in the car and Zied has put on his like American fashion boy um you know like 80s computer nerd um you know serial killer glasses and he's in his all blue outfit and Rebecca's in a you know like a you know a fedora some scarf she got from like a trunk show at one of her girlfriend's house. And it looks like a teen mom who has an adult son. Like he's 22. I just like, do you guys catch this? Am I the only one who like is really confused about Rebecca's relation to younger men? Like I am trying not to make it dark, but it's, weird it's just weird the things that she picks out I and I say this I feel like every week every time she gets him a present I'm like why are you giving him stuffed animals 
why are you giving him a fake tattoo for his arm so he can fit in with all the other kids? (laughs) And now (laughs) we see Rebecca take her son on a divorce mom special, which is a um, horse-drawn carriage ride through what seems like some sort of, like, Mennonite farm. Like, I'm very confused. (laughs) But she says that this could also be a venue for their wedding. And once again, once again, we are forced to watch Rebecca just be an absolute the most dedicated person to unnecessary drama and insecurity. It it's truly makes your head spin to watch her. So we're in COVID times. It's summer of 2020, right? Things are not great, especially in Georgia. I Zed when he finds out that this tour is actually to tour the grounds for a possible wedding, he says, um, you know, there's a coronavirus out here, ma'am, mom. I, I don't really think it's that smart of an idea for us to have a wedding right now, like a normal wedding because everybody, damn near everybody canceled their weddings in the summer of 2020, Rebecca, why do you feel like you're special? So he's making very sound, mature decisions. He says, we talked about the possibility of just getting married down to the courthouse. And I think we should do that a because of COVID and B because, um, here's an actual bomb that can be dropped. (laughs) That actually makes sense is that Zied, wants to get married before Ramadan. His visa happens to fall on the month that Ramadan happens. It's also like basically lines up with the second month that he would be here out of the 90 days. No, basically almost like the last half of the second and almost to the end of the third. So basically we find out Ziad says, if we don't get married before Ramadan, um, I should probably go back to Tunisia, but even if I were to stay in America, we can't live together. So I don't know if I, you know, somebody, you'd have to stay with your mom or something like that. Like we can't live together. And on top of that, at the end of Ramadan, the month, he can only be in America for another week before he has to go back if they don't get married. So, Rebecca has turned the fact that he wants to get married at the courthouse into why doesn't he like me enough to want to have an actual wedding? Even though I've been married three other times and have had three weddings, I know that the fourth one is going to be my last one, so I really want to make it special. What? <laughs> Girl, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Four weddings? Four weddings. He wants to get married to you. The fact that he is 
making the very sound decision to do it in a place that is uh, COVID-friendlier than having a full-on wedding and more efficient. You basically already said that you can't afford to live in the apartment that you moved into. Remember when you were going to move in with your daughter? Why don't you just do the courthouse wedding? And then you won't be the dumbass who forced your whole family to get a a full-on wedding in the middle of the height of COVID. And you want to turn this into some reason in your mind that Zied doesn't like you. What? (laughs) The only time she was making sense was when he brought up the Ramadan stuff. She's like, why didn't you tell me all of this stuff before about all the restrictions that you were going to have? Okay, fair enough question. Zied says, lobbies another fair point of, I did not know that the visa was going to fall during the entire month of Ramadan until it happened. Why he didn't bring that up prior to him getting there was a good question, but I can understand if you weren't thinking necessarily that this was going to be an issue. But when you found out it was, you probably should have said something, Zied. Um, at any point, anyway, that's, that was really all that we got from Rebecca and Zied. So let's move on to Yara and Jovi. So we're still at um, Jovi's parents' house. He's probably still drunk from the night before from the engagement party. Yara's definitely still pissed at him. And he asked her, like, why are you so mad at me? Is it because you don't remember, Jovi? (laughs) Seems like it. So Jovi says, you know, like, I don't understand why she's upset. And he says every time... Yara's point is, like, you basically left me alone at the engagement party. This was supposed to be our party. And you couldn't help but you're... But, like, get wasted with all your friends. Jovi says that every time he looked over at her at the party, she was talking to somebody. He was so... He figured she was good. (sighs) I mean, part of me wants to be like, Yara, you're being a little bit indulgent in making um, a big deal out of this. But also, she's really not. Because the more he acts like... This is, like, she's just so irrational for not wanting to be left alone. The less, I mean, not that I was ever on his side, but, like, you know, the more plunged into the depths of hell Jovi goes for me. And he has these moments of, like, great clarity. It's not like a Jack situation where he's clearly just, like, you guys, I've started rewatching season one of, of Vanderpump Rules. And to watch it now, it's really wild how I did not catch on to what a manipulative man Jax Taylor is. So my point is, Jovi, when he apologizes, it actually seems like he gets it. Whereas Jax, it feels like he says words that he thinks sound good and they mimic some sort of human emotion. (laughs) The emotions being um, regret, um, contrition. He just says the words that he thinks that he needs to say. And usually they do get him out of trouble. Jovi seems to actually understand. Again, one and a half beer Jovi is, you know, the best, the best version of Jovi that I've seen so far. 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Yara keeps trying to explain how she feels more in detail, but you can tell she gets frustrated. And in the confessional, she says, you know, English is not my first language. And I'm trying to explain to Jovi how I'm feeling, but I feel like he's not understanding it. Like, I feel so alone at a time where this is supposed to be really for the both of us and a step in our relationship right and a step in his maturity right so they really don't resolve anything I mean she does ask him you know I really think we're about to have a kid we're about to get married you really need to curb the drinking and I think honestly you should just be drinking on special occasion it doesn't have to be to the level that you've been drinking Jovi, of course, gets really weird about it because, I'm just going to say it, Jovi has a weird relationship to alcohol. He gets very defensive. He gets, um, he tries to downplay how much he drinks all the time. He gets combative and cagey and it's weird. And it's something that he really needs to check. And, And truly, like, he needs to look at himself on that. Um, so he agrees He does agree to only drink on special occasions. So then the next morning, they speak to Jovi's parents. And Jovi's father's still not excited about the prospect of Yara expecting a baby. I think this is really insensitive. Considering we know what happened with the first pregnancy she had. Like, I just feel like 
whatever. I, I Jovi's parents are really weird in a lot of ways, and they make me uncomfortable. And I don't get them. At one point, they're talking, but they start talking about the wedding because we find out again. Jovi's work is getting in the way, and they basically. Um, only have two weeks before Jovi has to go on yet another month-long job, which would put them over the 90 days. So they have to get married in the next two weeks. So Yara, Gwen, Jovi's mom, Gwen, asks, like, what their plans are for the wedding, and Yara says, oh, you know, I think we're gonna make it really small, and I think it's gonna be so small, it's just gonna be me and Jovi. And Gwen's like, oh, no. That's that just won't do. Like that's not acceptable. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you don't have to accept it, ma'am. You don't. Yara brings up a very good point of um. I first of all, what wasn't acceptable is that engagement party that you invited fifty people to when I explained to you over and over and over that I do not want to have big events that my parents and my family cannot attend. But you know what Yara does? She says to Gwen's face, you know, I haven't really decided because that's the nice thing to do to just play the game that us humans have to play of like, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to tell you something that you want to hear but look in my eyes because we both know that I'm going to do what it is that I want to do. The first thing that I told you is what I'm trying to do, but I'm going to say like, okay, well, I don't know. Maybe we haven't made plans yet, but I have just know that I have Gwen. (laughs) Gwen says this whole thing. It's not good enough. The, The fact that Yara said, I don't know. Maybe we'll, I don't know about the plan. She says, well, that's not good enough. Okay. Jovi says, you know, he sticks up for Yara and says, whatever it is that she wants to do with the wedding is what we're going to do. And they really try to fight. They get their answer from Yara. And then as soon as they don't like what they hear, they Gwen tried so hard to work on Jovi and to manipulate him into defending her and basically throwing his future wife under the bus so she could get what she wanted which is this big wedding. And it's like, don't you, doesn't, is Jovi the only child? I thought he had brothers. Like, you're, chill out, lady. (laughs) Do you remember that episode of Indian matchmaking on Netflix where that woman would basically not leave her? It was like one of the last episodes. Her uh, her son was such a non-starter. My God, he was a non-starter. And he did not want to get married. And he made it very clear. But this lady was so invested in her son's <laughs> getting married that she had to take, like, heart medication because her heart couldn't handle the fact that her 25-year-old son was still single. I mean, it. Th- she pulled out jewels, tiaras, gems that she had bought over the years for her son's new wife like she was so invested so invested in this relationship that didn't even exist Gwen is a nightmare like why is she so why is 
Jovi's wedding so important to her. And I know people get crazy over weddings, and I know that it's important to the parents, and I know that you should take them into consideration, but it, I mean, are they taking um, Yara's parents into consideration? No. <laughs> They're not even taking Yara into consideration. <laughs> So it's like, calm down, lady. Just calm down. Just calm down. Oh, Lord. So then Yara goes to take a shower. And they really try to, Gwen and husband, really try to needle Jovi some more about getting what they want. But Jovi's like, no, I think we're just going to do what Yara wants to do. Then we see a scene of Jovi and Yara... He is showing the Mardi Gras happening. Jovi showing Yara like the masks. He says, Oh, there was like a whole store that had all these like New Orleans Mardi Gras style masks. So she, Jovi asked if she wants a mask. So she's like, No, these are ugly and my face is pretty. Why would I put that on my face? <laughs> but they go into the store anyway. They find some cuter ones that she, you know, are more her style, like the feathers and the white. We've seen Yara. It, it basically was Yara in a mask. And just a lot of hair and blonde. Just a lot of blonde hair. Um, so Jovi says, you know, I've had to realize that I'm needing to be more understanding of the fact that Yara is alone in America. And that she feels very alone. And they're going around the shop and Yara asks Jovi... What is the meaning of Mardi Gras? Like, what's the purpose of it? And Jovi is basically like, I don't know. It's just like, Fat Tuesday is just like one heavy day of drinking. And then like, some people don't drink after that. And some people do. I do, obviously. I've never quit a thing in my life. But he keeps basically saying that after living in Louisiana his whole life, he does not know. What the meaning of Mardi Gras is outside of the partying girls gone wild aspect of it. That is embarrassing, Jovi. And she told him as much. Yara's like, how, how is it possible? You're supposed to be teaching me these things. How do you not know? So then he tries to clean it up and say, oh, you know, like add the religious aspect of Lent and, and all of that. And, and, um, Yara, (laughs) Yara is so funny. She says, that doesn't make any sense to me. She's like, that doesn't sound like you're telling me that a bunch of people get drunk and then they go to church and pray about it. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And then she says to Jovi, you know what? This town is really good for you. Because clearly it's just like people who just want to party and drink a lot. But it's not going to be a good idea for our family. And it's not a city where I want to raise children in and maybe she'll go back to Ukraine. So Jovi says, no, you can't go back to Ukraine. And Yara says, again, moving to America was not my dream. And then she fucking kills it again. And she says, this is supposed to be the best country in the world where people get shot up all the time and women walk around drunk in public. She lost me at the second half, but she had me at the first one, girl. Points. Points. <laughs> Point taken on that one. So then, basically, she says, you know, 
I never imagined my life here. I actually really love Ukraine. I moved to America because I love Jovi. And I knew that that's what I would have to do to make this relationship work. Jovi apologizes about the engagement party and he says that he's never going, that it's never going to happen again. Great. Moving on to Mike and Natalie. Girl. And and the girl is for both of them. It's not just for Natalie. It's a, it's a, a gender girl, an asexual girl. Okay. They, uh, we got 22 days left of Natalie's visa and Natalie says she's not ready to leave. So you know what? She's going to FaceTime her homegirl Svetlana and they start off talking about COVID and basically (laughs) Natalie gives her whole game up right there on camera. She says, I'm not ready to leave. I know that Mike and I do not have what it takes to have a successful relationship. We are not ready psychologically, emotionally to be together. But I have only a few weeks left in America. And I'm trying to stretch that out for as long as I can. And I f- even though I feel pressured. And I feel like Mike lied to me about Sarah and I think he cheated. I have decided to let all of that go (laughs) and just tell Mike that I'm fine with it, even though I'm completely not that I'm going to let it go, even though I believe that it still happened and then I can get my ring back. Okay. Cause if I don't get that goddamn ring back, (laughs) I'm going to lose my mind. This is like true, Lord of the Rings, one ring to rule them all. My God, Natalie. Her plan is basically, I've got 17 minutes left. I'm going to butter this man up. I'm going to actually let him eat real butter and not fat shame him afterwards. And I'm might going to hand him a, you know, Bud Light Lime every now and again. And I'm going to tell him that I trust him and that I'm going to drop the Sarah stuff and let's move on and we can get together slash I can get my ring back since that's really all I seem to care about. She talks about how much she regrets giving that ring back, how she should have never done it, how she understands how bad it looks. But by golly, (laughs) I need my shit back. She is so transparent, y'all. This is like so embarrassing to, and it kind of works. They go and have talk number 175,000 of the season. And she says, you know, even though I don't have my ring, I'm not going to push you anymore. And my plan is to build trust. And Natalie apologizes for bringing up her trust issues with Mike. And she says, you know, I just need to realize that the past is the past. And Mike keeps rubbing his eye for some reason, but he's loving it. And is like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to hear. Which is really me not having to take accountability for anything. And you just apologizing to me. Because that's the only thing that feeds my ego. Okay. Um... That really 
is it. He says he feels great. And I feel like, you know, we can all only predict that that great feeling only lasts but um, maybe 12 hours before it all goes to shit again. Speaking of going to shit, let's talk about Andrew and also Amira. Okay? Amira's been back from Mexico City. She's been kicking it in France for about two weeks now. And she goes to visit her father at his apartment. And this is the moment where we find out why Brandon is so mad at Amira's father. Remember in the, wait, first two to three episodes, Brandon came out with all this shitty stuff to say about Amira's father, about how how um, he was homeless for so long and how he wasn't a present figure in her life and how he's just taking advantage of her now and things that had no real relevance to um, their situation and why he is perpetually gaslighting Amira into these situations in which she could potentially be locked up abroad. Now we're finding out why. So... She goes over to her dad's house and she tells him about the Serbia plan. The plan to stay in Serbia for two weeks and then head over to America. So this starts off by Amira's father asking how her job search is going. She's like, oh, I'm not looking for a job. I'm actually still um, sticking with that lump of flesh that left me in Mexico to eat a continental breakfast for free. And yeah, I'm going to try and risk my mental health and potentially my life. Once again, father, what do you think? What do you think, dad? Amira's father, shockingly says, um, you're making a mistake again. I don't want you to be in a situation that's even worse than Mexico Um, there is a mafia in Serbia. You could basically get fucked up and I'm not going to have the capabilities to find you like I did last time in Mexico, which is that I didn't find you and you found me. Now imagine it being worse than that, Amira. (laughs) Imagine it being worse than that. That's my fear. So he says, you know, Serbia is really not a respecter of human rights, which seems like a sentence that you don't want to hear when you're entering in it under dubious means. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I'm afraid there's going to be trouble. And Amira says, you know, Andrew really doesn't care about me taking risks. And Amira's father says, well, we don't care about Andrew. Check that. Checkmate. So... Amira says, you know, Andrew's pressuring me again, and maybe it's too soon to go to Serbia. And Andrew told Amira that he sacrifices for her all the time. So here it comes. Here it comes. We're getting more insight as to what he tells her, because she can't even look people in the eye and speak to them about Andrew because of how shitty he is. And now we're seeing... The depths of that is he tells her how he sacrificed for her and how he, I don't know, put up some sort of home goods sign outside the door of his apartment that said a a pirate and his mermaid live here. Look at all the sacrifices I've made. I, I put a 
three and a half foot a stuffed animal on my bed for you, Amira. I had to sit in a hotel at a resort in Mexico all by myself, Amira, because you were too stupid not to get yourself locked up in Mexico. <laughs> Think of all I had to do for you. Every couple's massage, I had to do it alone. Every two-person champagne and, and charcuterie plate, I had to eat both servings of those, Amira. Now, why can't you go to Serbia for me, you bitch? <laughs> He's psycho. He's an actual psycho. So, Amira's dad is like, girl, like, he, if he could shake her, he would. And says, when you were in Mexico, in the detention center, Andrew did not one thing to try and find you. Don't you think it's a little weird that he did not attempt to go to another city? That he didn't attempt to leave the resort at all the entire time in an attempt to find you? You don't find that weird? (laughs) So, like, I mean, my God. Every time I think about Andrew, it's just like a, a, just a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. Amira's dad calls Andrew a coward. And he says, I don't believe Andrew at all. I think he's selfish. And if he really loved you, he would wait for the situation, meaning COVID, to get better. For you to be able to travel there safely. Thank you, Amira's dad. Thank you, sir. So Amira's like, you know, I feel torn between my father and Andrew. I don't know what to do. I mean, girl girl. (laughs) So then we get another scene of Amira having a video chat with Andrew. Andrew tells us that Amira told him off camera about all the things that her father had said about him. So this is now why he's pissed because he says something like, Oh, like he's, it, it wasn't even like a, a situation of, she is taking her father's side. It's like the way I can't, I wish I had written down what he said, but the way he worded it gave me shades of like, Oh, he's on to me. And so now he's my enemy. Not like, Oh, he, he doesn't trust me. And he thinks like, you should feel afraid of her father because of what you put his daughter through Not that you feel like he's an asshole and that, you know, I think he blames me for Amira being in Mexico. (gasps) Can you imagine? Wow, I can't imagine anybody else thinking about that other than everybody else who watches the show. (laughs) He really thought that he was going to get away with this at Andrew and that people were going to like him. Wow. I mean, how sick is that? So Andrew has hired an immigration lawyer named Lisa Kobayashi to talk to them about their chances of going to Serbia. Shockingly, she is actually really on board for the situation. She, even after they tell about what happened in Mexico, Lisa's first question to Amira was, when they asked you what 
your purpose for coming to Mexico was, what did you say? And Amira says, oh, you know, I said something about like, I was going to visit my fiance and blah, blah, blah. And Lisa's like, oh, okay, it's probably the fact that you mentioned a fiance that maybe they thought there was something like weird that you were doing some weird um, marriage in Mexico. Like you were trying to scam somebody to live in Mexico. And that's probably the, why they detained you. And so next time you say like, oh, I'm going for business and I'm going to go to America for work. Just keep it a lot more general, right? Y'all know that. Like never tell those people. Every, every time you travel, just say you're traveling for work. Don't, don't say it's personal. That's where, where they always get you in trouble. It's a very strange thing, but that's a tip for me to you. Always say work. Just say work. Um, so she says, you know, I have seen a lot of cases of people go to Serbia. It's been fine. I've seen a lot of people try to do the things that you guys tried to do. Everything has been okay with them. So two thumbs up for me. I actually think this is a great idea. Andrew's like, awesome. So they get Lisa off the phone and they have their little powwow. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. They have their little talk afterwards. And, um... Amira's like, yeah, I still feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't want to do this, Andrew. And he's like, Ugh. but Lisa said it was fine. So like, I mean, I guess like if you don't want to do this and like, I guess you don't want to do this. And Amira's like, well, because Lisa also told them what you could do if you don't want to go to Serbia is to wait out until the ex the visa expires and then you reapply saying that there were situations that were out of your control that led to the uh visa going past its expiration date and then you can try to reapply that way so that's what uh amira says that she wants to do andrew clearly is like knows that he's on camera and knows that he has to be like the nice doting supportive fiance and be like but you would tell that he's really mad at her and then if he was not being recorded he'd be like all these things i do for you why can't you just do this one thing for me and she, i mean, was like you know i'm my mental health and he's like yeah no i get it and i you know i just love you so much so you know whatever you want to do like if you want to go to serbia we can do that but if that's not what you want to do then like that I, i'll be fine with that baby no you're not <laughs> this man is lying in all of our faces and I don't appreciate it. Do I appreciate it more than I do like Yolanda from Vegas trying to act like she didn't know that that man who was clearly Nigerian who picked up the phone, the Williams. Oh, he's, he's not British. <laughs> Remember Yolanda trying to trick us into thinking that she knew that full on Nigerian man was some guy, some muscle man. From London. Girl. Yes, I mean, I guess I appreciate Andrew's lies a little bit more than that. <laughs> but y'all still playing in my face and I don't appreciate that. Let's end this 90 day recap with, you guys know, my girl, Queen Stephanie. <laughs> Messany. That's what her name should be. My God. So... We see Stephanie's on the couch. She's like, oh, God, what a shit show my life. Oh, fuck me in the ass. She's talking about how she and Ryan. 
She and Ryan have broken up after a whopping whirlwind 48 hours of her being back in Belize. (laughs) Oh my God. We get flashbacks of Stephanie telling Ryan to fuck off and die. And she starts to cry in an interview. And the producer's like, why are you crying, girl? And she says, you know, I just spent three and a half years with, with Ryan. And then the producer's like, was there anything that you want to do to, like, have closure with Ryan? She's like, fuck no. Fuck no, I don't. <laughs> then she goes over to um, clearly some gifts that Ryan had given her. A balloon, some presents, and she, the balloon says, I love you. <laughs> she puts the balloon on the ground, on the floor, tries to stamp it out, push it down and stamp it out. Both, both feet. It's not popping. Then she takes a pen. <laughs> And stabs it. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Over and over. And then throws the gifts out on the porch. And put it out on my back porch. Girl. (laughs) The girl's big tails are too tight. So then she says, you know, if I don't see that motherfucker ever again, it'll be a day too soon. She then. I mean... Just an icon from the moment she gets on camera until the end. She dolls herself up, puts on a little lipstick, tightens up her pigtails, sprays a can of Evian uh, concentrated water on her face. Says, you know what? (laughs) I'm out here to make a brand new day. (laughs) She's the best human I've ever seen on 90 Day Fiance. What a mess. What an absolute mess. Stephanie's giving us Valley of the Dolls. She's got these like silver three-tiered ball earrings. She's got a short hot pink mini dress. She's got a purse that lips. It's so camp. It looks like a tube of pink lipstick and also she was on pills. That's where the doll part of the Valley of the Dolls comes in. Um... Seventy meets a Harris down by the pool. And we see this loving embrace between Stephanie and Harris. And the music is playing. It's like this... I mean, just like the cheesiest bachelor romance. Ugh. Royalty-free music that you could ever imagine. And Harris... Tells us that the first time that he met Stephanie, he climbed up a tree to give her a coconut, and she was nice to him. And and that was it. That was it. <laughs> so <laughs> then he says, you know, when I got the call from Stephanie last night, I woke up at five. No, I took a five o'clock in the morning bus for four hours and then took a two hour boat ride to get here. This man is like, I, she probably texted him and was like, I have all these watches. I have all these slides. I have all these swimming trunks for you. You're going to be my new cabana boy. Cause that's what I called you on the phone. And 
I mean, he probably was like, I'm not going to have to work. She asked him, you know, um, will you spend the next three or four nights with me until I can get back (laughs) to America? And he's like, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) What is she doing? What is this woman doing? She's being an icon. That's what she's doing. She then says, you know, Harris is a great comfort to me. And, you know, there's always been a strong connection between us. I mean, help us all. She tells Harris, go hop in that shower, baby boy. I'm going to treat you to a pitcher of margaritas and a lobster tail. And then they head off upstairs to the shower together. And that's the end of this week's episode of 90 Day Fiancé. So let's talk real quick about Sister Wives. You guys, season 15 is fucking killing it. I'm loving my life. I'm loving my life. So what did we have happen this episode? We have... Oh my gosh. We find out that after... Oh, what? Almost two damn years that Christine has finally sold her house, the last house out of the cul-de-sac over in Vegas. And her first question is, when are we going to start breaking ground on Coyote Pass? You know, that plot of land that you paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for that's just been sitting for the past year and a half. What are we going to do about that? Since that was a dream that you sold us. Remember, Cody? Uh, come to find out, Christine sold the house for much less than she wanted to, but she was like, you know what? They're paying cash. We're going to get this closed in like a week or two. I just want this chapter of my life over. Right. So then Cody starts in about how, you know, uh, yeah, we, none of us actually really made that much money as much money as we thought on the houses. Now, Excuse the fuck out of me, Cody. Didn't you sell this whole situation as this is the time that we're going to get the most out of these Vegas houses. We're going to make so much money out of it. We're going to move to Flagstaff that has a lower cost of living. And um, it's going to be so great. We're going to have these houses or maybe one big house. It's going to be our dream. Which one of those things happened, Cody? Um... The houses took forever. They sold for less than you thought they were going to. You didn't make a profit. You're all talking about how your family culture is just ramshackled through the mud because you guys live 15 minutes away from each other and that's ruined everything. And now you're saying, Cody, that you can't afford to even break ground on the houses. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, was he telling the truth or was it what he really said, which was that he in an interview said that he just doesn't want to talk about the houses. And so we, then we have to hear everybody talk about how Cody's just like, a, he really loves the beginning stages, but when it comes down to actual execution, he can't do a damn thing. <laughs> I mean, it, it, just, just chop me in the eye. <laughs> just karate chop me right in the eye. <laughs> Not anything has happened. This dream that he sold to this whole family about how perfect and amazing and, and oh, the timing and where we go one, we go all. And when one went to Flagstaff and then everything was fucking ruined. Isn't it, Cody? And now you don't even want to talk about the houses. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Okay, Cody. Okay. It is wild to me. He and Christine still very much hate each other. Hey, Cody seems to think that um, he actually really likes this dynamic that they've now set up between amongst the family and the wives and the husband, which is that Christine is more than okay with having her own life her own house, her own kids, her own husband when he feels like walking in and not focusing on his phone. And then we have uh, Janelle and Robin who really want this culture, family culture to go back together. And then we have Mary. And do you have anything to say about Mary at this point? Because I really don't. So... What What is part... There were three main storylines. There was that. There is um, the fact that uh, the Golden Girls, Audrey and uh, Fanta... What's her name? <laughs> what Mariah. Aubrey and Mariah... Audrey and Mariah are coming back from Chicago. They're going to be moving to Utah. Apparently, Audrey is from Utah, um, and she's been having a really hard time adjusting to Chicago. Christine brings up a really lovely and romantic thing of, you know, I could tell that uh, Mariah was actually really thriving in Chicago, but she recognized as her partner that Audrey wasn't doing very well. And so they made the choice to move somewhere that a place that was going to better somebody else, you know, like she took one for the team basically and how important that is for a relationship to have to make a decision like that, where it maybe doesn't benefit both of you, but you're doing it because you love that person. Um, that bled into, you know, how happy the family will be because Mariah is saying that she, uh, really misses the younger kids and she hadn't seen the family in about a year and how 
she never wanted that to happen again. And Robin was talking, or one of the moms was talking about how um, Mariah, out of all the kids, made the conscious decision to be friends with all of the children, even though they're significantly different age. And I thought it was interesting to hear the wives talk about their experiences. Like Mary saying when she got married, she had a uh, sibling, a sister who was two and a half when she moved out of the house and they don't have a relationship like that. And how a lot of that, when you come from those plural families and those big families that the older kids don't really have a relationship with the younger kids. So like how great it was that Mariah was really making that effort to be closer to the family and all of that. And then we see this weird fucking scene of Robin, Mary and Cody. And they go out to Coyote Pass to talk about this situation that makes zero negative, really negative sense to me. So we see the original conversation in which they got into a fight, the three of them, because Cody had had a conversation with Mary. Mary had hinted that she wanted to live out by the trees and then she changed her mind. And so this ended up with Robin getting a lot that she didn't prefer because she thought that that was, she was getting the only lot that was left. And then it turned out that Cody had sort of, put them against each other by saying that the other one wanted the lot. And so that they were stuck with the last one. Right. So over the years we have seen Mary and her insistence. Shout out to surviving sister wives podcast, Corey and Carly. You guys hit on something that I always have been thinking about over the years. Mary's insistence to have equal space and equal size and equal size home as the other wives as she wants to have everything to be as nice because she wants it to be fair even though it's really not fair at all because she only unfortunately had one child and that child is now an adult so is it fair that you get a house as big as robin when she's the one who has the youngest and most amount of young children left in the house It doesn't make any sense. But over the years, she has always insisted on having, I want to have as big a house. I want to do this just like everybody else, even though technically and realistically, it does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. And she's like, why did she last year have that house with the damn elevator? Nobody lived with her. Mary, why do you need a home with a water feature? In Flagstaff, Arizona. (laughs) She had the biggest house out of all of them and had no kids. She was, or husband, or husband. She didn't even have Mosby, that dog that she says she has a great connection to that lives with Mariah. She didn't even have Mosby, okay? So anyway, we see that conversation from four months prior to this current conversation that we're seeing on this episode. You guys, why did we find out after all of this, all of after months of them having this blowout conversation between the three of them, we have to take this road back to Coyote Pass special only to find out 
that Mary doesn't even know where the fuck she wants to live still after all of these months. So we're having these like stupid little particular let me stop you and pick apart every word. Now, Cody, when you said I was going to give this lot to me, meaning Mary, did you mean that I didn't have a choice? Or did you mean that we had to have a conversation about that? Because I think words matter, Cody. Are you fucking serious? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? (laughs) To see them like hash out like she just needed to be right and I was with her ish until I realized that this isn't about the lot this is about Mary needing so badly for Cody to say that she's right over a situation that doesn't matter and you don't even have a resolution for. So what the hell? <laughs> when we find out that Mary Mary literally says even if I had first choice of all the space on the lot, I still wouldn't know which one I would pick. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> I about lost my mind. What are you what are we doing here? What are you doing, Mary? <laughs> you really need to be right that badly. That's weird, dude. You don't even have a solution to this problem that doesn't even need to exist because you basically just said that you don't really even care where you live. You just care that Cody may have misinterpreted you once. And so you're having a months long argument when she freaking admitted, I know that Cody did not give me this lot that doesn't even matter. You guys can live wherever the fuck on this lot you want to live because you're making your own space. Nobody even lives there. These are invented lots. If she wanted to live half in the trees and half not in the trees, she could do that. She just wants Cody to say that he's wrong. That's so weird. Let it go. And if you think this is helping your marriage, spoiler alert, alert, it ain't, sis. And so then we hear, I thought a very poignant part and a very telling part is that the other reason that, and this is what Cody says, that he does not, basically, this is an issue that he and Robin had with each other, like between each other, but he doesn't want to write Robin out because that's his one true love and his wife, right? (laughs) And why would he rat his wife out to this woman that he doesn't even like? So basically, he and Robin had this conversation about how there's a pond on the lot. And they spoke, because Mary starts to say, like, she would have no problem living next to the pond. They had had a conversation amongst each other that they didn't want her living by that pond because Mary has such a toxic relationship with all the kids that she, they're afraid that 
Mary is going to cut off access to the pond to the family. And they want somebody living on that pond lot who will give the family free access. So they're basically right. Like Mary is like the scary witch in the castle who is going to not let poor Solomon and truly play Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer in the pond because she's just going to be mean mommy who cuts off access to the kids. That was a bomb drop. That was a bomb drop. And I, and I loved it. And I really loved it. Robin tries to do this thing. And well, I guess I can't even really pin it on Robin because Cody and Mary both admit that this is true, that they have no issue with Robin uh, trying to interfere with their relationship or um, mediate their relationship because they feel like it actually does help them. Um, But then Robin really gave herself a pat on the back and a rub on the clit, didn't she? When she was like, you know, not all sister wives can do this, but if you're doing it right, you can manage to have a relationship with your sister wife that, you know, is in support of her marriage. And then she gets all Gloria Steinem and then like, imagine a world in which women were so secure with themselves that they supported other women with their husbands. Imagine all of the things that we could do if women were like that instead of being jealous. <laughs> okay. That was like the one time she didn't cry, probably because she's talking about how great she is. Okay, thank you. Thank you, ma'am. That's enough. That's enough. And that's enough for me, you guys. I'll be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm sorry if you heard a little scuffling and ruffling in the background. That was Tito. Tito the little doggy. Thank thank you, Tito, for your ADR. Thank you guys for listening. Love you. Bye.